Welcome to the WDW Reflections Podcast with your hosts, Dewey, Ron, and Tony. Here, we'd love to talk about the Walt Disney World Resort, the way we remember it, how it's changed, and why we still enjoy visiting the most magical place on Earth. We're not experts, but we want to share our unique experiences and memories with you. You may learn some facts you never knew before, and you may return to some of your own memories of the Walt Disney World Resort. And we'd love to share these memories together. So come with us on a podcast journey as we reflect on the WDW Reflections Podcast. Please stand clear of the doors. Reflections. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the WDW Reflections Podcast, your unofficial guide through Walt Disney World memories and their connections to the parks we know and love today. I am Dewey. I am one of your hosts, and this is episode number 18 of the WDW Reflections Podcast. Stick around towards the end of the show for more information on how you can contact us and become involved in the show through social media groups and maybe even be a contributor to future shows. With me today are my podcast travel buddies, Ron and Tony. Coming to us from Tennessee is my buddy, Ron. How's it going, Ron? Going well. I'm, I'm glad to be here to defend myself again so that people don't call me out when I'm not even here. So it's good to be here to um, defend my character. Sounds you know, like Ron is it's talk- good to be back. I'm excited about today's bro- uh, podcast. Sounds like Ron's talking about something specific, but I have no recollection. I don't know. We'll just move on. <laughs> and coming to us from the Big Apple, New York, how about my buddy, Tony? What's going on, Tony? I'm doing good. I, I don't know, Ron. Tennessee looks a lot like Batu to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing okay. Um, hope you guys are, are ready for today's show. Well, I don't know about ready, but we're going to do it either way. That's it. And today we have a special guest with us. My buddy from the 501st Legion, Matt, is coming to us from West Virginia. Matt is a fan of the show who regularly interacts with us on social media, but he's also very well versed on the main topic of today's show. So we thought it'd be fun to give him an invite and bring him on. So Matt, what's up, buddy? How you doing? Good. It's a glorious day here, and I have the frilly shirt on, so we're representing that. He is prepared for our main topic, without a doubt. Awesome. Thanks for being here, Matt. No problem. All right, fellas, are we ready to reflect on this week's WDW Reflections podcast? Let's start. All right, let's get it done. All right, Matt, so you know what today's main topic is. So before we get to that, we thought we'd do a little bit of a get to know you session real quick so we just want to know i know you through the 501st the 501st legion which is the star wars worldwide star wars costuming group that's how you and i became friends but just give us a, a real quick rundown maybe tell us a couple of your costumes how you got involved and then we'll move on to a little tradition that we have here on the show where we ask all of our guests five disney world questions so uh take it away tell us about your 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 Bible first adventure how'd that get started so i officially joined december 2014 so it's just been seven years um that i've been in it i was i've known about it for you know for a while but never knew exactly how to join and uh there was a documentary that was on the blu-ray version of one of the 
um, Star Wars videos, one of the box sets that showed them the 501st and the Rose Bowl parade. And they were talking about, oh yeah, we make our own armor. It's like, well, I can't do that. So, but then um, one night I was getting ready to go to bed, you know, had the news on and they showed a little clip of a local Comic-Con and they had people from the 501st and they mentioned them. It's like, well, let me just go talk to them. So the next day I went and met some of the people there and got information about how to join and signed up that day. And within three months I was approved. I had first costume was a biker scout which is still my favorite. Did you have to, so you purchased that costume or you've made it or? So there are places you can buy the, the plastic, you know, the, it comes in kits and then you have to fit it to your body. So you put the elastic on or you'll glue the pieces together. Um, so something that fits me, I'm, you know, tall and skinny is not going to fit someone who's five foot four and a power lifter. So it is a little bit individualized. And then, depending on your skills if you can sew or whatever you can make a lot of your own stuff but i can't so there are places you can find on etsy and wherever else that can make different pieces for you and once you're in there are other people who have amazing skills so you can talk to a friend who can sew and get that stuff done so that was the first then i joined the rebel legion which is the good guy group um well the rebels and jedi and all that and i built a uh, jedi then uh stormtrooper and then two officers the staff officer which is the black uniform and the line officer which is the green one and so my wife's in it too she has a staff officer ray and padme the uh, nice. refugee padme from episode two. Cool, that's awesome so um why i joined is just it's always been a dream i think of a lot of us to be a stormtrooper or be Han Solo or be whatever. So, but then we also do a, have a big charity aspect. So we'll do hospital visits. Um, we'll do fundraisers for, well, like tomorrow I'm going to go to uh, Parkersburg, West Virginia. We're helping collect toys for Toys for Tots. Um, in two weeks, there's going to be a Make-A-Wish telethon that we're going to help out with. Nice. So this upcoming Tuesday, we get to do the Pittsburgh Pirates or excuse me, the Pittsburgh Penguins hockey, uh, Star Wars night for their hockey team. So we do some really fun stuff, you know, that's, but the Penguins still make a donation to a charity in our name. So, but there's always that charity aspect. So just being able to help out and give back and make people smile is, it, it cannot be beat. Absolutely. And, you know, that's, uh, that's one of the, the biggest payoffs with the 501st Legion. I've done a couple of uh of the hospital visits and stuff and you know that's the big thing is when you know you kid kids are in there and you know it's it's hard to see a kid that's you know in the hospital not feeling well and having medical issues and stuff but when you can make those kids just beam and smile and you know giggle and stuff you know that makes it all the the sweaty hot days in somebody's garage sanding on plastic to make it fit your body and stuff that makes it all worthwhile, you know, when you see those kids smile. So that's awesome. And Matt, so first of all, I'm glad you and I became friends through the 501st. It's cool. And, um, you know, but it's, it, it's really rewarding to see, you know, hear other people's stories about, you know, why we do it and everything. And, you know, some people think it's silly and it's grownups, you know, wearing Star Wars costumes and stuff. And, you know, a little bit is that it's, it's fun, but it's also really about that charity aspect, you know, doing the, doing the nice stuff for, for 
making kids smile or even in a, in a parade or something in a Christmas parade, you know, you got Darth Vader wearing a Santa hat and waving at kids, you know, it just, it makes kids smile. And that's really what it's all about. So that's it, awesome. not only kids, I'm sure a lot of adults come up to you guys as well. right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sure Matt knows the stories yeah. there's, you know, adults get giddy and stuff and they're like, Oh my gosh, you know, when they see their favorite character and stuff. Absolutely. It's cool. Matt, is there a character? Go ahead. No, I was just going to ask you, is there a, a character that you portray that creates much more interest than others? Did you find that one, one of them uh, is, uh, brings more attention? So it's either the biker scout or the stormtrooper. They're both similar. It's the white armor that's just iconic, that stands out, that uh, gets the most attention. Although at events, at least now with the biker scout, if someone brings a little Grogu, a little baby Yoda, that is everybody and we've done some events where someone's had a little one and that's all anyone cares about so it used to be vader or boba fett or chewy but now it's it's grogu yeah so uh, i hope you don't start punching the grogu no we're nice to him <laughs> you know, we'll pat him and you know make sure he's doing well oh good you're a nicer biker scout than the one we saw on the show that's good See, i'm the endor biker scout we're really nice the ones that are from the mandalorian they're a little bit you know crustier so yeah they're going through a rough time when you do a when you do a face character though do, do you have any uh guidelines that you have to follow up do you stay in character or are you just being yourself combination of both you do stay in character but you can personalize it a little bit um my personality from our interactions you know through social media and stuff you know that i am a wisecracker so <laughs> i'll throw in you know little jokes especially whenever uh someone will say oh they're stormtroopers they can't hit anything oh my biker scouts like no no we have great accuracy we're not the stormtroopers we're biker scouts we hit trees all the time you know so, but add, I add a little bit of that comedy in, and some of them are a little bit more serious. Um, so you get a little bit of your personality that comes out, but you still do remain of, I'm a stormtrooper, here's this. And there are some aspects that you uh, keep up that, you know, you are that character, especially for the kids. Yeah, That's you awesome. can definitely be silly for the kids. The kids, you know, they want to have a stormtrooper or whatever character, but they also, you know, they're kids. So it's, it's fun to make them laugh. I know. Uh, one of the things I always do is if a kid's asking for, for an autograph or something, then uh, I'll usually like, I'll take their pen and hold it high so they can't reach it and they got to jump, you know, just something silly like that, that probably a, a real, you know, TIE fighter pilot wouldn't do. But, um, you know, I just, I like to mess with the kids. I like to pick on them. It's fun. So it's a good time. Or if they want your autograph, you ask them, well, who's your favorite? <laughs> who's your favorite character? And if they don't, it's like, oh, it's not me. Well, I guess I can't. <laughs> yeah. Or it's like, who's your favorite? And you start pointing to yourself. That's great. I, I love that. Sounds All like right. a lot of fun. The the um, part that I would think is most rewarding, and you've alluded to it, is is being able to give back and do the hospital visits and stuff. We I work at a hospital, and and seeing people give to children's hospital and light kids up it's just an amazing thing is there a specific story you have around that at all and maybe you don't actually, to share. yeah and actually the hospital things um whenever we'll go into a see a, in a kid's room and then we'll come out and the parent comes out and like he hasn't smiled in three weeks uh, and it, it it really makes you uh feel good one time we did a 
make a wish event. Uh, there was a young kid, he was five, six years old. He had cancer and he had gone down to Disney and he wanted to do the Jedi Academy, but it was closed whenever he was there. So he didn't get a chance to do it. He, you know, he wanted to fight Darth Vader. So whenever they came back, um, either it was the Make-A-Wish people or his mom, whatever, were able to get in touch with us. And we staged a Jedi training for him. And we had, oh geez, 15 people dressed up as Jedi. And someone, we had Luke Skywalker there who did all the things of, you know, calm and peace and with the force and awesome. feeling everything. And then we had um, a bunch of stormtroopers come in with Darth Vader. And so then he was able to, you know, give us a force push and along with his other friends who were there being Jedi and they, you know, defeated us and we had to run away. And um, later on, Darth Vader came back and he actually got the sword fight with, you know, lightsaber combat with him. So it was really, really special for him. Now, sadly, um, he passed away a couple of weeks later on, but after talking to his parents after that, they said, you know, for those two weeks, that's all we talked about. Oh, and so it awesome. made such an impression on him. And we actually started a um, charity through him it's called jackson's jedi kid's name was jackson and so we've auctioned off different things um you know i think one of the penguin games we were able to get a jersey signed by anthony daniels who was there and so we auctioned that off and all that money then goes to charity so they're doing good it comes from not the best situations though and that's kind of the motto of the 501st is bad guys doing good. You know, we're, mm -hmm. we dress up as the bad guys from the movies, but you know, we're, we're all real people inside the costumes and, you know, we want to, we, you know, kids like that, we want them to smile and want them to be happy. And that's what it's all about. So that's awesome. Thanks for sharing those stories with us, Matt. But now are you ready for some tough questions? I didn't even study. Okay. We'll wing it. <laughs> no, it, it's not trivia. Don't worry. You're not going to ask trivia. These are your opinions. So probably can't be wrong. I don't know. We'll see. So these are just five questions that we like to ask our guests when they come on the show. So number one is, and I think we already sort of answered it, but let's just make sure. What's your favorite Disney World attraction? So my favorite is the Jungle Cruise. So just the stupid little jokes that they tell. Um, I could listen to that all day. And actually, I've done it like three or four times in a row, getting different skippers. And they tell slightly different jokes. So that's my dream. Whenever I retire, I'm going to move to Disney, move down to Florida, work at Disney, and be the skipper boat captain. Oh, my gosh. That would be awesome. River boat. I hope you make that happen. I want to ride on your boat. That would be great. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we knew that. We, you already alluded to that being your favorite attraction, but you didn't tell us why. So that's good. I like that. All right. Number two, who's your favorite Disney character? It's close. I'm going to go with Donald. Uh, although Grumpy has a special place in my heart, too. So... Um, so you're like disgruntled Disney characters, apparently. Neither one of those are very uh, happy guys most of the time. So uh, Donald can let loose his emotions. So it's the things that you always want to do in life, but you really can't <laughs> without getting in trouble. And grumpy with his cynicalness. Um, but if you watch the whole movie of Snow White, he actually has a you know heart of gold and he actually cares. It's just his gruff exterior. So you're probably, you know, jilted by a, a young lady back when he was younger, you know, just, you know, ruined him for life. 
Yeah, grumpy doesn't mean you're a bad guy. I'm grumpy all the time. <laughs> Donald, just, Donald just has a very bad temper. Otherwise, he's awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. Question number three. What's your favorite? Oh, I'm sorry. Question number three. What's your least favorite Disney attraction? So you said that's my opinion. I probably can't be wrong. So I'm probably going to upset somebody. Oh, this. no, no. Don't, no. Don't believe that. That's, that, that's <laughs> not true. <laughs> but, you know, World of Motion. Uh, oh, sorry. I'm kidding. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, least favorite is probably the uh, Magic in uh, really? the show. Even though it features Donald in it? It does have Donald in it, but... I don't know. Whenever I, I sat through it one day and almost fell asleep. <laughs> so I don't know if I was just tired from a long week at Disney or what. It's comfy in there, though. Nice. It is. <laughs> so it's nice for a nap. Yeah. Now let me ask you. I know that you know, you you're a relatively frequent visitor to the parks. Where where did you feel that way the first time you saw it, or are you kind of tired of it because you've seen it twenty five times? No, that was the first impression. It was, oh wow! Uh, it's okay. It's cute. It's all right, and it just—I appreciate it for its appeal and the audience it's made for. It's just not me. Okay, that's fair. And again, when we're talking about least favorite Disney attractions, that's just saying that everything is so good. We're not saying that you know, Phil Her Magic is horrible. We're just saying that it's not at the top of your list, right? Yeah. All right. Let's see. What is your favorite Disney park? It's tough between Magic Kingdom and Hollywood Studios, especially with all the additions that Hollywood Studios made with uh, Galaxy's Edge and uh, Toy Story Land. But I think Magic Kingdom, it, there's something special about it. And, you know, first time I went, I was just before I was three years old. Oh, wow. And that's one of like, the first memories I have is being in Disney World. So just through the years of going there um, and all the classic attractions they have there, you know, it that just is the top of the list. Ryan's happy because that's his favorite. And most people usually say Epcot, so he's happy to get someone on his team. <laughs> yeah, right. Every park has, it, has something special about it, but that was just by You can't hair. have Disney without the Magic Kingdom, though exactly it's it is disney all right and last question for you matt and this one this is usually the toughest one because it's hard to pick but what is your best disney world memory well yeah there's a lot of them although there's one that i sort of have to pick i got engaged in disney oh wow so if I don't pick that, I think my wife would be a little bit upset. <laughs> well, and so, I'm sure she's an avid listener to this show, so we don't want to uh, we don't want to absolutely. upset the wife. Where we ask where where was it? Yeah, tell so, us about that. Yeah, it was in Hollywood Studios. Her also, oh, she really likes uh, Splash Mountain, but her overall favorite thing to do there is the Tower of Terror. Just you know the the drop. She this feeling in her stomach. She says that's just so neat and flying off your seat and all that. So we went um, a couple years ago. It was right before Christmas. So uh, I think December 22nd was the day. 
And we were there at night. Now they have the projection thing that they shine on the Tower of Terror and some other um, buildings too. And they was all lit up like a gingerbread house and they have a little animation on it and stuff. So one night we went back, we went there and we were ready to get a fast pass to go on right before we you know, went home for the night. And so we went on and then we come off and we get out and it was all lit up and you know, she turns on and looks like, oh, that's so pretty. And so then I proposed right there to her. So awesome. And she's from Indonesia. So oh, I was at, nice. I learned, I'm learning Indonesian and I was able to propose in the Indonesian language. Oh, that's so, nice. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. That's so, awesome. Yeah, there's that. So, but yeah, kind of special, I think, I'd say. That's a very a unique and very special memory that to have. Mm-hmm. And so did you spend the rest of the trip just talking about that? Or thinking about it? Yeah, it was, well, actually, I spent most of the trip before that thinking about it because I had a, <laughs> you know, ring in my bag the yeah. whole time. <laughs> I was going to lose it or something was going to happen to that or when I was going to propose or, you know, finding the perfect place. That, you know, I was thinking that I was also thinking in front of the castle, but that's so cliche. And so and it just happened to work out perfectly on that night. Um, but then we took all kinds of pictures that night of the ring and everything and sent it out to, you know, family and friends and all that. But then that, the rest of it was, we got the, uh, just the I'm celebrating button and got, you know, got engaged. And so that helped with all the uh, cast members congratulating us and everything. So it, it, that just made another thing about Disney that just, that just helps make things more special whenever you do have a uh, significant uh, celebration there. Absolutely, everything yep, from absolutely. birthdays to uh, graduations to, as you're saying, these wedding engagements. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fun. The cast members are, you know, if you're wearing one of those buttons. It's it's fun. Uh, they're always you. You probably hear it 50 times that day. You know, either happy birthday or congratulations or happy anniversary or whatever your button says. So yeah, that always does add a little bit of. A little bit of fun to a trip when you're celebrating a specific event or something like that. So that's a cool story. Thanks for sharing that with us, Matt. Good stuff. Hey guys, I've got to step away. Um, so it's been awesome, but I'll be back to talk about what's your favorite. Sounds good, Ron, and we'll see you next time. Okay, Ron will join us back again toward the third segment at What's Your Favorite? But as Dewey indicated, today we're going to be celebrating a special anniversary for a company that's near and dear to our hearts. It's a company that's inspired and entertained our generation for over half a century now, from movies to TV to video games to sound systems to Disney theme park attractions. This is one company that's probably one of the few to equal Disney in its scope and global reach. And so when it was acquired by the Disney company itself back in 2012, it brought with it an established fan base and wealth of storylines and technology that's going to keep us entertained for many, many years. And of course, I'm talking about Lucasfilm, which this week celebrated its 50th anniversary. The company was founded in San Rafael, California on December 10th, 1971 by future Star Wars creator George Lucas, barely two months after the opening of Walt Disney World. Originally operating as a movie company, it produced its first feature, the rock and roll classic American Graffiti, in 1973, which was then followed by the astounding success of the Star Wars and Indiana Jones movie series that led it to absolute world domination. These movies in inspired the creation of internal company offshoots such as Industrial Light and Magic, or 
ILM, which has gone on to receive 16 Best Visual Effects Oscars and 40 additional Oscar nominations. And it's been responsible for so many magical and memorable movie moments over the past 40 years. Skywalker Sound was also created, which heightened the bar for cinematic sound production. Lucasfilm games, animation, licensing, books, the list goes on and on with how the company brings its own special brand of excellence into various media. On October 30th, 2012, Disney announced a deal to acquire Lucasfilm for $4.5 billion, with approximately half of that in cash and half in shares of Disney stock. Lucasfilm had previously collaborated with Walt Disney's Imagineering division to create theme parks attraction for its various Disney parks and resorts worldwide. And that is what we'd like to talk about today with our special guest. Okay, so the Lucasfilm and Disney partnership extends back into the 80s. And the, the partnership actually started out somewhat in the parks. And so that, since this is a parks related show, that's where we want to focus on today, how uh, Lucasfilm and Disney partnered to create some of the most memorable attractions in Walt Disney World and Disneyland and Disney parks in general. So I'd like to uh, take us back on a little bit journey of some, a, a, little, bit of a little bit of a journey of some of these um, attractions going back to Captain EO. And those of you who uh, might not have been there at the time, or don't know, Captain EO was an attraction that featured the uh, pop singer who was the star of the time, Michael Jackson. And the show itself was written by George Lucas and Francis Ford Coppola directed it. And it was a musical spectacular. It was in 3D. It had all kinds of effects going on. It was really a, a great um, introduction into, um, into a new kind of entertainment. And uh, Lucas even included some special effects. I think ILM did the special effects for that show as also, and, and there's also a uh, kind of an Easter egg with one of the characters who looks like uh, one of the characters from Return of the Jedi. So what do you guys remember about Captain EO and, um, and what did you think and any, anything you wanna say about that? I'll let, I'll defer to our guest today. What do you, what are your, some of your memories about Captain EO, Matt? Well, actually, I was able to see that a little more recently. In 2016, I was in Disneyland, and they brought it back there for a short time. Mm -hmm. um, so it was neat to see it again. Uh, being younger, I remember being scared partly by it. <laughs> Whenever there, the um, well, the lady who's like the bad guy, Angelica she, Houston. Yeah, she. Oh, it's like a spider lady type thing that was scary as you know as a young kid but um just the... i remember you remember the part she it was all in 3d right so she, she had the, like those claws came up in came 3d out. at the camera yeah it was kind of scary for a kid so but the other thing was the uh you know michael jackson's crew you know whenever they actually form into to make the instruments to play at the very end of it i always thought that was the neatest thing about this guy you know trying to fit in here and it, it was like a transformer type thing Yes. I thought that was always neat. Transformers before Transformers, right? <laughs> I, I'm blanking out as to the name of that character that, that looks like the one from Return of the Jedi. Do you remember who I'm talking Max about? Max Rebo. Max Rebo, that's it. Yeah, he's, yep. he's even sitting at the same kind of, uh, of uh, instrumental setup that, uh -huh. that Max had. 
I always wondered if those characters were rejects from Return of the Jedi, because that movie came out in 1986, I believe. And that's only a couple of years right after Jedi. So I was wondering if he had all that in development at that time. Look, first of all, Michael Jackson in the 80s, he was probably the most famous person on the planet. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So the fact that they, you know, I don't know what they paid him or whatever, but the fact that they got him to be in a, in a theme park attraction or a 3D movie uh, was pretty amazing. And, you know, in 86, that was, I was what? 11 or 12 years old in 86 so you know of course I was loving me some Michael Jackson back then you know so that I mean that was a big deal you take I was you know of course I was a huge Star Wars fan so I'm in Lucas you know is involved and then I'm you know Michael Jackson's in it I'm in so you know I mean it was like Clash of the Titans almost you know I mean it, it had all the big names it was Disney it was Lucas it was Michael Jackson do you remember also the sound the, I believe uh, the sound effects in that were fantastic the, mm -hmm. the the way that the theater was utilized to create this kind of a surround um, probably uh, Lucas's own beginnings of, of, of their system where you can kind of feel the sound all around you and you can well, you feel the vibrations THX, the THX. THX theaters that was Lucasfilm created by Lucasfilm so yeah, absolutely. You know that uh, I'm sure the way when they were making the first Star Wars movie, A New Hope, back in the 70s, you know, all of the new special effects and stuff, they literally created on the spot, you yeah. know. So uh, I'm sure all the the stuff that eventually became THX in theaters around the country uh, started in, you know, some of the experimental stuff that they were doing for, for stuff like Captain EO. Absolutely. It was you know, like nothing you'd ever heard before. It was the 3D movie with sounds coming from behind you and stuff. And now, nowadays we have surround sound in our homes, but back then, you know, that was revolutionary. So, but even uh, so, I don't know, Dewey, I don't know if you had a chance to revisit it when it, when they brought it back to Disney parks uh, within the past 10 years or so, but it was even, I thought it was even more exciting because at this point now the seats were vibrating and the, uh, the laser effects were added to it and, and it yes. made it much more of an immersive uh, experience than it was back in the uh, in the 80s well you know after captain eo was honey i shrunk the audience so mm -hmm. that show had the elements of the vibrating seats or they could squirt some stuff out of the you know out of the the arm rest in front of you and everything so that stuff was already in place so when they brought back captain eo for the the i don't know that special special edition or whatever they added those shaky seats and stuff to the the show so yeah it, it definitely did add that um that that 4d effect is, is what they call it so you did have some of that when you know like when the ship got shot or something and your seat would rumble and everything yeah it was pretty cool absolutely i wonder if if he had still been alive whether they would have continued that in any particular way you know now when, once he was um once they got over whatever he went through whether they would use that character as anything listen Disney, if they do anything, they love a sequel or they love yeah. a reboot. You know what I mean? I, I can definitely see if if we hadn't, you know, if Michael Jackson hadn't have passed away. I could definitely see, a, you know, Captain EO 2021. You know, <laughs> I could definitely see something like that. I'm sure Disney would have been all over that if he, if Michael Jackson were still around. So that's that's uh, 
that's pretty funny, Tony. So we went from an adventure in, and that that ride, in case you guys don't know, was in Epcot along uh, around the time that uh, within the Epcot's first five years. But we moved from that family friendly exhibit in Epcot to uh, one that was a little bit more controversial and was eventually replaced, even though it had the names of George Lucas and Walt Disney as collaborators. And of course, I'm talking about the extraterrestrial or as it later became known, Alien Encounter. Um, that was uh, the ride that was in the spot that eventually became Stitch's adventure. What do you guys remember about Alien Encounter if you if you got to ride it? So listen, this came out in 95, extraterrestrial, the, the, we just called it Alien Encounter, 95. So I was, let's see, I graduated high school in 92. So I don't know, I'm what, 21, 22 years old, something like that in around 1995. So I'm an adult. So I was all over extraterrestrial, man. This Alien Encounter was edgy and, and scary and technologically it was uh, a, a really amazing thing to see. I mean, it was, you know, as an adult, I knew it wasn't real, but holy smokes, it seemed real. Like it was really well done. Uh, I probably went on this thing, I don't know, in the, the couple of years that it existed, probably seven, eight, maybe 10 times tops. But dude, it was great. It was a probably one of the best attractions in Magic Kingdom at that time. It Can you was, describe, I, I'm trying, I was older too, but I'm trying to remember um, the, there was like a pre-show before you got into the inside area. And yes. I was just trying to remember, it, it was similar to what they had with, with Stitch, but different in a way. Do you since you went out it a bunch of times, can you let us know what that was? Oh yeah, absolutely. So remember when they redid uh, Tomorrowland in the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World in 94, it was, you know, New Tomorrowland. So the theme of that New Tomorrowland was that it was this galactic spaceport, basically. So Tomorrowland was this whole area where people or like creatures or ships or whatever from all over the galaxy was coming here. So they had this galactic convention center. And at this galactic convention center was this company was having a showcase. The company was called XS Tech. And XS Tech was having a showcase of some of their new technology. And this new technology that XS Tech was demonstrating at this uh, Galactic Convention Center was this new transportation transport technology that they could beam almost like a Star Trek transporter, but it, it could beam matter, or in this case, living creatures, over like light years so it could take it from you could send it from one planet to another so they were going to demonstrate this new transportation technology by sending the uh the president of excess tech they were going to send him from their planet to earth to this galactic convention center in new tomorrowland so that was the the premise of the show so the whole pre-show was these alien creatures basically trying to sell their stuff. It was like home shopping network for right. you know, the, the galaxy. So they were, it was real dramatic music. And it's like XX, XS tech is bringing the, you know, this new technology to the galaxy and dramatic music and, you know, all that kind of stuff on those, you know, 500 pound square TVs that were hanging from the ceiling, you know, back in the nineties. Yeah, And if you think about it, they did a good job of making that, 
feel as if you, as soon as the, the doors behind you closed, it felt as if you were in this new, new um, modern technology area. Yes, absolutely. It looked like, I mean, they did a good job theming it to a galactic convention center. You know, it looked all sleek and not like Star Wars space, you know, because that's all dingy and stuff. It looked more like Star Trek space where it was sleek and modern and, you know, clean and all those, all that kind of stuff that you see in the Star Trek universe. It looked sort of like that, but they, the, the production was pretty good. The videos, you know, all the aliens looked you know, unique. They didn't look like aliens from other um, other sci-fi shows or anything. And, you know, costumes were great. And, you know, but unfortunately, audiences found it was too scary for families or for children in general. And and it was reworked into um, into Stitch's Great Adventure. But um, Matt, did you get a chance to write that? Yeah, um, we went in 95 and 98. And so 95, I was 15. Uh, and I thought it was great. It was amazing ride or attraction. We don't remove. Um, but my younger sisters did not like it at all. <laughs> so uh, they were, I guess, 10 and 12 at the time, somewhere around there. And so whenever we were in, we were like the last group in. And so I have an older sister as well. And then my parents were there. We got split up. And so bad choice. My parents sat alone and it was the four of us sitting by oh. sitting together. And so... <laughs> My teenage sisters were terrified. Um, there's one point where they, you know, they, they're trying to send the alien to you, and he gets lost along the way. And so they think they find him. They they find some life form on a planet, and they send it to you. And it's you know this carnivorous you know monster alien. And so the lights all go out, and then someone above yells, out, "Is everyone okay down there?" Everyone goes, "Yeah." My two sisters go, "No." <laughs> <laughs> so, but the other technology they had of making it feel like the alien was there. And they had um, kind of like on a roller coaster, how the, the um, restraint comes down over your shoulders. It came down and during the thing, it could go down farther. One, I think it was to keep you from getting up and leaving, running out. Definitely. And two, it, you know, it could like touch you on the shoulder or at one point, I think the alien sneezes on you. And so you feel it in your face, uh, kind of like from, or was that Honey, I Shrunk the Audience? They did that. I know that. Um, and plus, it also had the behind. binaural sound on it as yeah. well. Yeah. And you could, um, one point, the alien's behind you and it licked the back of your head. So you mm -hmm. feel something moving up and down, or it was breathing on your neck. So the immersiveness of it was really, oh, it was really, really good. It was whenever the person was above you checking on you, then you hear the alien eat them and then you get dripped on. <laughs> yes. so, yeah, right. <laughs> but I mean, it really put you in. It was more along the lines of uh, seeing Alien than something that would be in Disney. But um, it, it was fabulous. I really, really liked it. I was sad that they uh, took it out. the The best part about it is is that most attractions are a passive attraction, meaning you you're not a participant in it. You are watching a show, or you are you know you might be riding a ride, but you're not in the story you know you're seeing a story but with alien encounter you were a part of the story like that alien was trying to eat you you know it was it was i mean and the special effects were fantastic so mm -hmm. uh, you could definitely tell i mean there was a really great team of creators and stuff for that that attraction so 
you could tell that it was some big time, big hitters, you know, with Lucas and Coppola and all those guys. It was really well done. It, if it had been at some place like Universal or something, I bet you it would still be there and it would probably have received some updates and it would still be fun. And, well, a, and you know, what I was just stuff. thinking is that maybe it went into the wrong park. Maybe what they should have done is kind of switch things around. Captain EO probably should have been there and Alien Encounter should have been where Captain EO was or in the studios where it probably really belonged. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, don't get me started, Tony, about Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy being an Epcot. Oh, yeah, right. But well, yeah, but you're absolutely right. Sometimes Disney does make a mistake about where they put something. And I think you're absolutely right. You know, Magic Kingdom is known as the, you know, it's the one for the kids. Child-friendly one, right? Sure. Especially back in the 90s. Absolutely. So yeah, I think you're right. It may have survived if it had been in another place. But, you know, right down the main, main drag in Tomorrowland, was maybe not the best location, but well, perhaps, I loved I loved Alien Encounter. Well, perhaps the idea was to have a Lucas present, a Lucas film presence in each of the parks because the studios had its own attraction. Actually, a couple of attractions. Um, we we've discussed Star Tours in previous shows, but uh, what do you, Matt? You you're new to the show. What do you remember, or do you like Star Tours? What are your opinions on Star Tours? And um, guys, we didn't talk about Star Tours. The adventures continue. So, what are your thoughts about that? It's fun. It, you know, I like the um, that they randomize it into uh, you can do different go to different planets and have different experiences on it. So it does. And, you know, it does what Disney wants is you, you, he wants you to come back again and again and again to see different things. And so it definitely uh, accomplishes that. I think it would be neat if you could have one of their ride vehicles be the original one or have, you know, part of the randomization of you get the original one in there. Or even if they could incorporate doing the trench run on the Death Star like they had in the original one into one of the... Um, the newer ones of, you know, here's one of the plants you go to, or, you know, you're on Yavin right outside, you know, attacking the Death Star or something like that. Or even uh, the second Death Star and do, going through that one uh, with uh, Lando and the Millennium Falcon and Wedge and coming out of there. So, but it's a fun ride. I like the uh, little thing with the uh, Rebel Spy that they project onto there. And I got picked once for that. Oh, were you? That's fun. I didn't have my phone out to take a picture of it, so I wasn't fast enough. But <laughs> they, you know, really, they should. That should be a thing, like a photo pass thing, that you should be able to get your Rebel Spy picture or something added to your Magic Band or whatever. That really should be added because I was, I got picked for the Rebel Spy one time too, and dude, that was like that made my day. You know, what I mean, like that actually probably made my trip. You know, I was like, I got it. You know, it was really cool. So that's, you know, they've added those photo pass up opportunities on lots of other attractions. I don't know why they haven't done that, um, that Rebel Spy one. That would be super cool. I agree with that. That would be cool. But yeah, the randomization is, is excellent on Star Tours. And what I like is that they've, as a new movie has come out, they've added, you know, some characters from Force Awakens. And then they put in some from... You know, you, you do the, what's it, crate is the, the sand or the salt planet or whatever from Last Jedi. So they added those scenes and they even added in a Galaxy's Edge scene before Galaxy's Edge opened. So that's the best part of the new Star Tours because it's digital rather than the original film version of Star Tours. They can add in 
some stuff. I'm waiting. Where, yo, where's my Mandalorian scenes? Where's oh, I'm sure like, that's I'm sure that's yeah. coming because I was on it last in in early 2020 in February, and they added the um, the final battle from the Rise of Rise of Skywalker in it. So, oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, but a- anyway, I, I actually like the fact that um, we have the opportunity to get a different ride each time. Although it it it's kind of a bummer when you want somebody to see something that you did see. Like I, my wife missed the first time that we went on it, and then the second time we went on it, um, it was a totally different experience. And I had wanted her to see something that she would have liked from the previous <laughs> visit. So, it, it, it's it's. Uh, but it does increase the the many time the amount of times that you want to go back on it, and uh, and that's the the general idea. And Dewey, they follow your your credo of they refurbished it, they didn't replace it. That's right, refurbished, not replace. I and love doesn't look it. like it's going anywhere. I mean, uh, the that is a very popular section of of MGM Studios or Hollywood Studios, whatever it wants to be called <laughs> nowadays. It's uh, it's it's an extremely um, uh, you, you would think that after all these years, a 3D movie wouldn't be a big deal for anybody, but the 3D that they added to it is fun. The, uh, the experience itself is fun. And, and they still, up until the pandemic, they had the Jedi training going on in that section as well. So it, it's, a, it's a definite presence in that side of the park. And if you go a little bit right before you head there to the left, I believe it was, uh, you get another Lucasfilm presence in the park, and that is the Indiana Jones Epic Stunt Spectacular, which has been pretty much a staple of that park since pretty much since it opened, I believe, right? I'm pretty sure that was an opening day attraction at MGM Studios. Yes, sir. And if, and if any of you have not been on that, it's actually a stadium show, but unlike other stadium shows that you see, it's it's themed to one of Lucas's most popular movie franchise, the Indiana Jones series. And we get to see a kind of a reenactment of how these movies are put together. It's not actually literal because it's a show, it's a presentation, but again, Dewey, they, they find a way of, of including the audience in this. They, they bring people from the audience into the show. You get to be part of the Indiana Jones scene and you get to experience what creating effects live is like. And um, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Well, I'm going to definitely defer to Matt on this one because uh, he and I were talking offline a few days ago, and he uh, told me that he was picked to be one of the participants in that show one time. So I'd like to hear that, a little bit about that story. Actually, it was twice. Uh, so I've been the extra what? two different times. Two times? Yeah. Wow. So the, one way to get picked is I had on one of my 501st shirts, and I had... Um, R2-D2 Mickey ears whenever I was jump hopping down waving to get picked. So, <laughs> And uh, my wife videoed it and the lady was like, oh, let's take, oh my, yeah, let's take. <laughs> so, so I, uh, she got a kick out of my outfit. So, but coming, you come down, um, they take you in, I believe three groups um, and they have you do something in front of the audience in the very beginning. Uh, one of them is you're the stunt person they make you hold different poses. Uh, they have oh, yeah. people do, yeah, um, one guy who you'll find out, I don't know if, if you want to do spoilers on this, I mean, it's only been out for about 20-some years, right? <laughs> or no, 30-some years, the, the one guy is a plant, and he's actually one of their people, and then he has, holds this ridiculous pose of like, you know, one, one-legged leaning forward, um, and then one guy does this little strut thing at the end, and uh, it's like a runway model, 
and you usually get like some big burly guy to do it too. Uh, then they have three people come down to do laughs. They have a couple ladies to do a little, you know, giggly laugh. They do someone to do goofy laugh, and then someone does an evil laugh. And I got to do the evil laugh one time. <laughs> let's hear it. <laughs> yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear the evil laugh. So they modified a bit. So it's actually you laughing, but they make it a lot deeper. But you know, one of the classic villains of that. And then they have screamers. And I was one of the screamers one time. And whenever they had a scream, I put my hands up and I actually hit the hand of the lady who picks you. And she was like, are you okay? I was like, yeah, um, aren't you supposed to hurt us after we signed the waiver? So, <laughs> and so, so, so you, got, take, you got picked two times and you got to do two different, like two different parts. You, you didn't do the same one twice, right? Yeah, so that was the neat thing that I got to do uh, in the beginning, two different things. That is cool. Uh, then they... They take you up and you get your wardrobe of, you know, the turbans and the bathrobes, as they say. And then you get to stand around um, in the near the action during the uh, second of their three scenes that they do, the Cairo scene. And so the lady who's there, you know, the, the ca casting person who picks you and she'll tell you, okay, make sure you're here. Make sure you're here. Do not go here. Do not go here. Yeah, we would stay out of the area for their actors who were doing their flips and all their stunts. And there are some special effects that are, you know, fire elements and explosions. And so they're warning you, okay, put your fingers in your ears when you for now, because it's going to be loud. Make sure you are here. Do not cross this line. And so they give you some direction of, you know, do this, do that. Um, fall down here. Pretend you're doing this. So it's it's fun. It, it get, lets you um, see the. The show from a different perspective so normally you're in the audience looking at it from one way seeing it from here you get to see a lot of the fighting from another perspective and you know up close so it's really really neat what's your favorite way of seeing it did you prefer being in it or did you enjoy watching it more uh being it well just because i've seen it from the stand from the audience so many times that being an extra and seeing it from that other perspective is just a bit unique so it's 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 something new so I like now, that. Now it's been closed for, I guess, the past year and a half. Uh, and I know they're getting ready to open up again soon. Um, what do you think they could do to modernize it or improve it in any ways? Is there, is there anything that they should do to, to bring it up to this area? Because as you mentioned, it's been in the park since the beginning. That's almost 30 years or more. What do you think? I think, um, you know, I'm always the refurbished, not replaced guy. But, you know, the when the park opened, when MGM Studios opened, it was, you know, showing us how movies were made. So, behind the scenes. Yeah, behind the scenes. So you had the art of Disney animation and you had the, the backlot tour and then you had the epic stunt spectacular for Indiana Jones. And it made sense. Um, I don't, and I, I think we've talked about this on a previous show, but the whole pretending like there's a director and, you know, cut, cut and all that stuff, you know, that's kind of, you know, silly now. That's the, the that's not well, everybody. The, I mean, is. the thing is, everybody's a director now. Everybody's got a, a camera and yeah. can do a show. Absolutely. So I would like to see, I don't have a problem with them showing us some stunts. That's cool. I love when the airplane blows up and all that stuff, but they could make that show better if they stopped pretending they were making a movie. Like, we know you're not recording <laughs> this for the next Indiana Jones movie. Get that <laughs> silliness out of there. 
and just show me the the ball rolling down the hill and Andy running away from it and show me the plane blowing up and I like the stunt the stunt elements but get rid of the fake director fake recording and a new Indiana Jones movie element and I think that would make it better maybe even change up some of the stunts that you could do something different um, yeah, he's had so many movies so you can yeah absolutely absolutely any ideas on that Matt I like it the way it is but um with what Dewey said if they would get rid of that and just say okay not that we're making movies it's okay here's how you do it and just come straight out with it um although I do like some of the little comedy bits and the jokes they tell in that so I wouldn't if they would change I wouldn't mind if they still kept the comedy element in uh what they're coming out with the fifth movie too that they're mm -hmm. supposedly they're filming mm -hmm. so they'll uh need to cast a more elderly uh stunt double for True. Indiana Jones good point so, so here's the next time of me getting out of my cat of my recliner. And, oh, that one hurt. <laughs> Listen, Harrison Ford is what seventy eight. I think he's like seventy eight. I mean, yeah. he's, you know, God bless him for still making movies and still putting on the brown fedora. But holy smokes, yeah, this, they, that is going to be a different stunt double, Matt. You are correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, Indiana Jones did not just have one presence in the park. He actually for a while had two. And um, those of you who uh, were eagle eye enough to spot it or to, to realize it, he was part of the great movie ride, which was um, uh, one of the best scenes in the, in the great movie ride was when you went through and you got to see a scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark. And there was Indiana Jones with Sala lifting up the Ark. And in the background, there were a bunch of hieroglyphics. One of the hieroglyphics uh, was a little secret um, uh, Easter egg as well of R2-D2 and C-3PO in, in little um, hieroglyphic form. So uh, what do you guys remember about that scene, if anything? I love the great movie ride. Again, there's been over a hundred years of making movies in Hollywood there I, I would have been fine if they'd refurbished it and not replaced it with that Mickey Mouse riding a train cartoon thing um you know I, I wish it were still there but I absolutely loved the Indiana Jones part that and the the of course the um the Wizard of Oz part Wizard was the Oz best section. part of that uh, yeah. of that ride, but I absolutely loved the the Indiana Jones part. You know, them lifting the Ark up out of the out of that tomb and everything. That was awesome. Great scene. Um, and, and you know, I I didn't even put two and two together that Indiana Jones was there in two places in that park at the same time. That's funny that you said that. I I knew it obviously. I've been on both of them a thousand times, but I never really thought that Indiana Jones was in two places at the same time. That's funny. What about you, Matt? Do you remember that ride at all? Oh, yeah, that was, I was sad that they took it out. Uh, like Dewey said, it, I'd like to see them refurbish it and change it up a bit. The newer ride's okay. Um, Mickey Minions Runaway Railroad. The technology on it's amazing and what they do and, you know, the trackless uh, ride system and everything. But it's geared for little kids. And I, know, I just like the great movie ride better. I was never sure if it was the great movie ride, if it was a great ride about movies or if it was just a ride about great movies. And I wasn't sure what the great <laughs> talking about there. The only problem with the Indiana Jones ride is I could never see the um, C-3PO R2-D2 very clearly. Right. It went by, it, the lighting wasn't good and he went by too fast. And I kept looking, I could never really see it. So 
that's one time where I wouldn't mind if, you know, the ride broke down right at that scene so I could, you know, look at it better. I get, like take a selfie with it, like pose right beside it, you know, <laughs> that would have been cool. Yeah, you, you, I'm glad someone has posted pictures of it online because you really, on the ride, you really couldn't see it very well. I wonder what happened with that wall. I wonder if somebody owns it or if it's in storage somewhere. I'm sure they destroyed it. You think so? Oh yeah, they, yes, absolutely. I would think yes. they should have. They could have incorporated because that I know they took some parts into the different galaxies' edges. That would be kind of a fun to, thing to have included in one of uh, Doc Ondar's shop. Just a, a bit of that wall. Now I don't know the. Uh, I've seen pictures online that in Disneyland in the Doc Ondar's uh, shop at the antiquity shop, the the circle up at the top where all the good stuff is, you can see the corner of uh ark of the covenant is they, back they, there apparently the, i've read somewhere else that they had they removed that at some point but the, oh, really? when, they, when they first opened that, that definitely you could see the corner of of the ark of the covenant which brings us to speaking of disneyland i know um, matt and i have been there i know do you have not but at disneyland has a lucasfilm presence with indiana jones and the temple of the forbidden eye which in my estimation was probably one of the best rides there it was a very exciting ride for me um, it's uh, it's literally the Indiana Jones ride. You get to uh, get into a car, and even though it follows a similar track system, um, kind of a spoiler here for people who've never been on it, but uh, it follows not the exact, but a very similar track to the dinosaur ride in um, in Animal Kingdom. But the special effects in it are so fun that you actually find yourself. Uh, I remember I was with my nephew who's an adult as well. He was screaming his head off through the whole thing. <laughs> um, we have a, we have a video and you can't you can't really see from from when out when out there in the 2000s, but all you see is a lot of shaking and you hear him screaming his head off through the whole thing. So uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of the Forbidden Eye didn't make it here. Originally it was a choose your own adventure thing there where it will not really choose your own, but you you had different options as to where the adventure would lead you. If you went through one door, it would take you through one thing. If you went through another door, it would take you another thing. I think they gave all that up and you just go through one door. But um, I think it's a fun kind of a, uh, experience that takes you through different Indiana Jones type movies. And there's an animatronic of Indy at the end. But um, uh, Matt, have you been on that? Yeah, I was able to ride that when I was at uh, Disneyland as well. The If you can get a fast pass, for, well, they don't have fast pass anymore. But um, if you can get it on when it's not... Too long of a line because it, it you know it's one of those hour and a half two hour waits um i don't have to wait that long on it but it was um the special effects are just completely amazing they are I mean, yeah. especially whenever they have the i think most people have seen this with some of the previews of it and you know the advertisements of they have the boulder scene towards <laughs> the end and how they do that of making it look so realistic um I just want to go on it again just so I can study that part of it. So uh, the ride is, it's a very bumpy ride though. Very it's, bumpy. It's, rough. it's just like dinosaur that you get thrown around. So definitely hold on for dear life, uh, especially if you're a little bit taller because my knees got banged against the little railings oh, yeah. there all the time. <laughs> I like the surprise elements of it though too. There was one, I remember uh, it led you into this one room that all of a sudden the arrows start shooting i was ducking even though i know they're not going to kill you but i literally was ducking in that scene because you feel the air of the of the arrows being shot through that section the cue for that is also pretty good the cue um, is 
you watch their safety video is um, filmed in black and white, like one of those old newsreels. And as you're going through, there's, you know, things of don't pull this rope. And of course you pull on it, you hear, you know, sounds and everything. And there's some hieroglyphics that if you pay attention, you can kind of decode them kind of like with the uh, Haunted Mansion queue. And so it has little messages in it. So they did a really good job with that. And I think that was, I don't know if it still is, at the time that I saw it, it was hosted by Sala himself. He would mm-hmm. come on, the character, uh, Indy's sidekick in the first indie movie, I think the last one. He comes on and, and, he, um, and he guides you through this little adventure, pre the adventure. And, and occasionally they used to give out a card, from what I remember, that you would be able to walk through that queue and look for the, for, look for the, um, for the clues as you walk through. Um, I think I always did get a fast pass though, so I would kind of avoid that. The cue for that though is so long. I mean, they yeah. they were trying to create this in such a way. I guess they anticipated the the amount of crowds that would go on there, but they they, they designed it in such a way that they could put in thousands of people pretty much at once, and that cue just wraps around and wraps around and wraps around so much that even the exit to get out of there it'll literally take you probably about four minutes to walk out of that ride and get back into into um the jungle cruise or adventureland area over at disneyland but well, didn't uh, they um that was it's outside the original berm of disneyland that so it had to go it gets underground or something. That's why it's so it's so 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 long queue, right? I haven't that, been on it. I haven't been there, but that makes sense. I mean, I know it's uh, it's TMI, but I remember trying to get off that ride because I had to use the um, the necessary, and <laughs> I'm not going to make it in time because it's like <laughs> this is going on and on and on and on and on. So, but it's a um, it, it's definitely a fun presence. But they also expanded their presence into international waters. And Dewey, I don't know if you had a chance to when you were at Disneyland Paris. Did you get a chance to visit their Indiana Jones attraction? I did ride the, uh, what's it called? It's Indiana Jones in the Temple of Peril or something like that, I think. I think it's the Temple of Peril. Um, it, it was okay. It was, first of all, I went in 2005, so which doesn't sound that long ago, but if you look at your calendar, that's actually like 16 years ago. So um, be, me being my age, I don't remember everything about that anymore. But uh, what I do remember is that it was just okay. I was really excited because I'm you know, big Indiana Jones fan, but it was, if I had to compare it to something, I would just say that it's basically Big Thunder Mountain with um indiana jones theming it's it wasn't like you guys are talking about the, the uh the ride at disneyland and how it's great you know uh groundbreaking and really great special effects and all that stuff this one wasn't it's basically just a a a pretty tame roller coaster it does have one loop it's not that one that goes backwards it, no, it did um but it only went backwards while they were doing a refurbishment oh uh, they were at one point the track went this way and you did the ride and for some reason they when they changed the ride in early 2000s and the then now it goes this way it goes the opposite direction so it at a certain point in the ride's history you rode it facing backwards but that was before they flipped the cars so that's it's not an actual um, part of the ride that was a temporary thing while they they redid the ride because when they flipped it and had you moving in the other direction 
now you're looking at basically the back side of the attraction. So if you think about it, when you're riding an attraction, they put all the, the details in front of you. You don't, you, nobody ever turns around and looks behind you to see that most of the, you know, you're not seeing the same details behind you. So they had in the refurbishment, they had to add details to the other side, but I mean, it was fun. It was, you know, you could hear Indiana Jones music and, and it was kind of loosely themed on Indiana Jones, but it, it's, it's not a, you know, groundbreaking attraction like the one in, in Disneyland. It, it's just, it's okay. It's Indiana Jones and it's a temple and it looks old. That's about it. I, I think because of the technology involved and because of the, um, the uh, animatronics, they're not going to ever bring that version, the Disneyland version of, um, of Indiana Jones to, to our park. At least I don't, I don't see that happening in the, in the foreseeable future. But um, MGM Studios was also host to uh, several Lucasfilm events. Uh, I remember that when, when Lucasfilm was acquired by Disney back in 2011, a lot of people thought that it, thought it was a strange get together. And I know a lot of people started to comment negatively about it, but this relationship lasts so far back. And in, in, the, um, in the early 2000s, we had Star Wars weekends held at MGM Studios. And if anybody listened to last week's show, uh, we had a, an episode in which Dewey called in from one of the Star Wars um, weekends back in 2006. I went to several of those. I had such a great time at those. But um, what, what are your guys' impressions on it? Matt, have you been to any Star Wars weekends? No, I did not get to go down. Uh, they always had them in June. And right yeah. after I joined the 501st, uh, 2015 was, I believe, the last year they did it. And I teach and I was teaching uh, summer classes then. And so I was debating, do I want to go down? It's like, well, the cost or can teach. So I was like, all right, I'll I'm gonna save money this time. I'll go later. And well, <laughs> later didn't happen. Yeah. So I missed out. I've been to uh, several Star Wars weekends. I think the first one that I went to personally was in the late 90s, 98, 99. I think I don't remember exactly. And then. Uh, I, I probably went to three or four different ones uh, in the 2000s. But uh, yeah, last week, Tony, you you played that part from one of your previous uh, podcasts that you used to host, a Star Wars podcast. And th that was a, a really cool blast from the past. Um, but Star Wars Weekends was great. I remember, you know, and if you heard last week's show, we talked about it, but the, just the 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 whole park was alive with Star Wars characters roaming around, and you know, look now as I'm a member of the 501st, so I hang out with Darth Vader all the time, you know. But back then, you know, I wasn't in the 501st and, and probably didn't even know what it was. Um, so seeing Darth Vader and and, and stormtroopers and stuff in person was a, a really big thrill. So I always loved Star Wars weekends. It was just it the entire park was star wars and it really made it uh, a, a lot of fun for a big star wars guy like me a lot of fun i agree and even when it got to be a little bit goofy i still enjoyed it because for me star wars has always been about the fun part of the experience and even with the, with the dancing stormtroopers and 
and the dance off. I see some of the videos of that still on um, on YouTube, and I just get a big laugh of it. I know they were just having fun. The characters made it seem as if um, as if they were transported here for the day for this weird celebration on this weird planet. Um, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but I, I went up to see the Luke character once, and he was he said, "Where are you from?" And I said, "I'm from New York." And he goes, "Oh, that's North." right like he didn't know so they made it they made it seem as if they were just here they were visiting they were having a a a fun time and uh, and plus we got to see a lot of star wars celebrities up close and personal and and the events got so packed Uh, the very last time that i went i got there as early as i could because um i had seen I think it was 2007. I had I had seen Anthony Anthony Daniels in California, and I told him when he was signing an autograph for me. I said, uh, "I'm going to be at Star Wars Weekends next month, so I'll see you there." He said, "Okay." I got there as early as I could the day he was there. There was by the time I was there, I think at 8 a.m., tickets were already sold out to go see him. They would give you a little um, uh, ticket to stand in line to go into the theater. It was not possible to go. I just was able to walk by his table and and wave to him, but. Um, it, it, it's amazing how popular that became and that leads into what eventually happened at disney mgm studios which is i'm sorry i keep calling it mgm studios because that's what it was to me many, many years. <laughs> i it used to be my favorite thing. but uh it's eventually the it gained its own star wars land for lack of a, of a better way of putting it and, and that's when um in the past couple of years disney presented galaxy's edge um uh, which included Black Spire Outpost and, and the planet of Batu, And um, that would probably merit a whole nother show because there's a lot of things that I would love to talk about with regard to that show. I mean, to that space and to that area. But I'd like some of your, your impressions. We have a special guest. I'd love to hear, Matt. I know it sounds like you've been there a couple of times now. Yeah, well, I've been to Galaxy's Edge once. Uh, we went last December. Um, and actually, the funny thing, it's called Batu. It's a very rocky planet. The Indonesian word for rock is Batu. Great. B-A-T-U. Oh. So it doesn't have the extra U on it. But so I think someone was looking at different languages before Absolutely. they made it. Um, the theming on it I thought was amazing with having the different, uh, the X, you know, there's an X-wing there. There's a, um, I think an A-wing. There's the speeder, you know, the Millennium Falcon there having uh, Kylo Ren shuttle. That, that's just all fabulous. Um, the Millennium Falcon ride, um, Smuggler's Run, to be inside the Falcon and, you know, to be in a little, like, I guess you call it their living room, you know, just a detail on that and you get your picture on it. The ride itself, en- engineering-wise and technologically, it is amazing what they did with it. But the actual, you know, sitting through the ride, it's neat to say you flew the Millennium Falcon, but it was just okay. Um, I didn't think it was, you know, hugely spectacular. The Rise of the Resistance, though, that is amazing, the special effects they have on that. And it's a long ride, too. And so right. it is well worth going on. So I'm not going to spoil say too much to you. I know you yeah. pulled them out to see all of it. Yes. Um, but I, I was pleased with what they did. Me too. And I, and I know a lot of people say that there's not much of the original trilogy in there, but I, I found lots of it. I mean, we've got the Millennium Falcon, we've got Chewbacca, there's the Cantina. I mean, those are all things that that evoke um, the original um, trilogy, as well as uh, the threat of the stormtroopers walking around. It's just that I think what 
we have to kind of think about is that this is new Star Wars. So it's still plays, things that we haven't seen yet. I've seen some kind of promotion for something that they're doing next and you see Batu in it. And I'm sure it'll appear in Mandalorian or one of their future shows at some point. So eventually it'll be part of what we know. But I think um, I, I, I think uh, people should just kind of give it a chance. It's a lot of fun. The biggest concern that I have with it is that the intentions that they have it had at the beginning I don't see how they're going to possibly follow through with any of it. It, it, it. In videos I've seen, it almost looks like they've kind of given up already. Uh, when you went there, since you, you went this past December? Uh, yes, yeah, so a year ago. A year ago. So were they still, when I went in February, it was still kind of new. Did they um, still keep up with the, with the uh, bright suns and the logo, I mean, the, the lingo that they created for the area? Did people still behave? Did, the cast members still behave as if you were visiting them from another planet because i think one of the concerns i had especially now that everybody's got to be wearing a facial mask including the, the the actors is that kind of takes away from what that experience was supposed to be yeah we they at least from what i saw i did not see we didn't experience that um the the cast members who were waiting in line, they were, you know, sort of, of hey, yeah, if they were Rise of the Resistance, yeah, they were Resistance people, and they sort of played that role a little bit, but it wasn't um, the all-inclusive stuff. Um, I don't know if they just scaled that back because of the pandemic yeah. and, you know, social distancing and everything, and, um, you know, any character who was, like, a face character, like Ray, Chewie, they were all just up on a platform, you know, you could just take pictures of them, you really couldn't get too close. So I'm not sure if they'll bring that back um, in the coming months or year, whatever, however long it takes, or if that's something they've dropped completely. I'm hoping that, that um, I mean, it's bound to happen that they'll drop it. I'm not sure, I've never been to Hogwarts, but I'm sure that by the time I go there, the, the original idea of when P, in, at Universal, the, the original idea was to have it feel as if you're actually in that universe. And they, at the time, I think when it opened, they had people literally speaking with the, with the English accent and making you feel as if you were really there. Whereas by now, I'm not sure if that's, if that's dissipated. And that's the fear that I had with, um, with uh, Galaxy's Edge, that the idea of that you're visiting this alien world is kind of gone. I, I, I think, um, you kind of know now you're just visiting another part of, of the park. Yeah, that was my experience. Uh, you know, I mean, we when they announced Galaxy's Edge, you know, all of the, the things that were supposedly coming, there was going to be an interactive uh, part of it where, right. you know, you could do it on your phone and you're, yeah. you, you have a mission and you're trying to find a bounty hunter or something. And then some of the some of the characters that dressed up, I know one of them was that, that female character that had like blue hair and stuff. Yeah. Uh, like there was a whole story to Galaxy's Edge that you were supposed to participate in. And, you know, I don't know if it's because of COVID and those restrictions or it's because of, you know, Disney always pulling back on budgetary reasons and stuff. I don't, that stuff's not happening now. And, you know, so I, I don't know. You know, I mean, if you think about MGM Studios, they used to have the citizens of Hollywood and you had the, the like the maintenance guys that always put on the shows in the streets and stuff. And that stuff was fantastic. That kind of stuff was supposed to happen in Galaxy's Edge. And um, I, again, like I said, I don't know if it's COVID 
and it'll come back or if it's just something they've nixed but uh it's not happening right now so it would be nice if it came back it was a lot of uh, when i went as i mentioned it was still kind of new i know you went uh pre-everything else opening there but uh, you know people did say bright suns when you walked in somewhere when you were going to pay with currency they called it something else um if you were going to use the, the restroom it was a refresher they still had that lingo going on and made it seem as if you were someplace different even the food at that point was called something else i, I think they had to scale back because people were getting confused when they walked in there and and didn't see their normal menu it, it i i think they they've now incorporated things so that you can understand okay this is chicken with fries and before it was some you know kind of other special um, but I, I, I'm, a, I'm afraid that um, that, that special speciality of, of the park being a different experience might have uh, dissipated. So I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. I hope it is just because of the pandemic and that eventually they'll get back to doing something like that, especially when um, they finish up the construction of, uh, of the new resort and things that they're planning to do. But, well, listen, um, I want to share one more thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I went very early. So I was there in August of 2019, you know, uh, with a, at a cast member preview. But I, when I went, I was wearing a 501st Legion mm -hmm. uh, shirt. So, you know, it's got the Imperial cog on it and everything. So we actually, uh, it, it was, you know, Chewbacca wasn't up on, a, on the riser. He was, I, I was with Chewbacca. So we had a really cool interaction. Like he saw the Imperial cog on my shirt and started like, you know, raising his hands and, you know, roaring and everything. And um, so Ray had to calm him down. She's like, it's okay. It's okay, Chewie. He's our friend. You know, so, I mean, it was a really cool uh, interaction. So, uh, and, it, and we, I probably spent probably seven or eight minutes with Chewbacca, you know, cause it wasn't, you know packed like you know like the studios can be so it probably this interaction with him lasted for a pretty long time and and then he he after ray conned me down he gave me a hug and everything and we became friends you know so uh that's i'm i'm sure that kind of character interaction will come back once it's safe but you know this, that was really cool so i just wanted to share that it was funny because he saw that that imperial cog on my shirt and just lost it he was you know almost like when he loses uh playing hollow chess you know he was freaking out so that was fun i love that that is kind of fun my, my wife is actually more of an imperial fan i you know see I, I wear jedi type gear but my wife wears she has um matt you'd appreciate this she's got the uh the scout walker uh satin jacket from heroes and villains and she was wearing that as well as she got this purse that had the imperial cog on it and so she was walking around like that and she spotted Vi Marathi, who's the lady with the blue hair, walking by, and she goes, "Vi Marathi," because we were, we had mentioned that we were going to look for these characters. She goes, "Vi Marathi." Vi suddenly got all nervous, and she walked over to us and said, "Why are you shouting out my name like that in the middle of this park? Don't you know it's it's supposed to be a secret?" And and we said, "No, no, we're good guys. We've been looking for you." She goes, "Yeah, I bet you've been looking for me. I see your bag. I see your 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 information." So I love when they are able to interact with us like that, which ties into what you guys kind of do. Absolutely. It, it really does make a difference to an experience like that. Yep, that's fun. I hope they bring that back. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. And so that, it, I mean, there's been so many interactions with Lucasfilm in the parks. And, and so we appreciate, or at least I specifically appreciate both companies. I'm glad that, that they merged. I'm glad that they uh, are still producing so much content. I mean, we haven't even touched on any of the movies and the TV shows. I mean, since this acquisition, there have been five 
Star Wars movies. I mean, back in 1977, I was lucky there was one, you know, and then there was another one. And to the fact that there's 11 of them, or I don't even know how many there are now, um, and so many TV shows and so much merchandise and so much, uh, so many ways of, of enjoying all the different aspects of what just came off from one person's idea of, um, of starting this company. And I look forward to, to much more of it as we, as we go forward. Absolutely. I know for me as a, you know, personally, uh, my childhood would not have been the same if it weren't for Lucasfilm and for Disney. I mean, those two things, you know, my dreams of going to Disney World, you know, as a child were always present. And then, you know, the, that for a while, every, when I was little, every single time I saw the 20th Century Fox fanfare come up oh. on my TV, you know, we're talking, you know, before, obviously, we didn't have, uh, you know, guides on the TV where you could see what was coming on and everything. And my family couldn't afford that fancy TV guide magazine down at the, at the Walmart or whatever. But every time I saw that 20th Century fanfare, I was like, please be Star Wars, please be Star Wars, please be Star Wars. <laughs> and, you know, most of the time it wasn't. And I was always disappointed. So now they own that too. So <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Star Wars and Disney were literally my childhood. And the fact that they are one company, you know, like you said, 20th Century Fox, it's called something else now, but uh, the, the Fox productions and Disney owns that now. So, you know, whether you, I know there's a lot of controversy with the sequel films and stuff, whether you like them or not, you can't argue with the fact that Disney the purchase of Lucasfilm resurrected this franchise and all the stuff we're getting on uh, Disney plus with Obi-Wan and Boba Fett and Mandalorian and, Mandalorian. and, and Andor. I mean, Holy smokes, man. It's never been a better time to be a fan of, of this galaxy far, far away. It's just absolutely amazing. I am eight year old Dewey again, every time I open Disney plus and, you know, I absolutely love it. I'm excited for the future and just, you know, keep, keep bringing it, Disney. Keep bringing it. And I, I want more. So this week, the Walt Disney Company released an advertisement for the Galactic Star Cruiser that featured a blue-skinned female alien, but it didn't last very long. Apparently, the video caused quite a reaction among its viewers on social media and Disney very quickly pulled the video. So in recent weeks, the Galactic Star Cruiser Resort at Walt Disney World has received some harsh criticism based on its large price tag and what some people are calling the generic sci-fi tech utilized on this hotel ship. So what do you guys think about some of this controversy surrounding the Galactic Star Cruiser? And did either of y'all get to see this mysterious, quickly removed video of this blue lady alien? Matt, I defer to you. No, I did not see the uh, video. Um, the reaction to this sounds an awful lot like the reaction to a lot of the Star Wars stuff that's come out recently. Of People have just such high expectations for Star Wars based on the original movies of it's going to be the greatest thing ever and it's got to get better and bigger and more awesome. And then if it's not exactly what you expected, oh, it's horrible. So I think a lot of it is what people expect to see versus you know what they're getting and it's not exactly what i want so therefore i hate it and that's a whole different topic for another day but absolutely 
Well, that's a good point, Matt. You know, I mean, if you think about, you know, I mean, even in 1980, when Empire Strikes Back came out, there were, you know, editorials and stuff that said, you know, how can how can Star Wars be topped? And this the sequel is sure to be a flop and all this kind of stuff. And even after Empire Strikes Back was released, there were some harsh criticisms Absolutely. about the the dark tones that it took, and it didn't. And the fact that like the movie the didn't first. end. I, I had classmates who said, "How do you like that movie? It didn't even end." Right. Absolutely. So, you know, the difference is is that 1980. The only people that had a voice were <laughs> the people on TV or uh, and, and a newspaper editor or something. But in 2021, everybody has a voice, and you know, with social media and stuff, if you love something, you can talk about it. And usually if you hate something, you talk about it even more. So, you know, we, we hear a lot of that negative stuff a lot, but I don't, I don't think that necessarily means that something is bad or something is horrible. That just means that, you know, you, a lot of times the negative always is heard more. It's louder. You know, a disgruntled person is speaks more than someone that is happy that that loves something you know you always hear uh, what's the old saying about if you uh the, the by word of mouth you know you you hear one or two good reviews but you'll hear a hundred bad reviews just because people tend to talk about their bad experiences more so yeah a lot of negative stuff coming out but i don't think that necessarily means that the galactic star cruiser is going to be terrible uh i don't think that at all tony okay. i think I was, I'm sorry, I was going to say, I think you said you saw the video, right? I did. I did see the video. Actually, there were two videos that people are responding to. One of them was um, a, a commercial for the Star Cruiser that was put out by Disney Parks. And in it, it featured some uh, a young man from a television show that's on ABC. I don't watch it. I think it's the Goldbergs or the something. Goldbergs, yeah. I and, saw part of that. And that, you know, first of all, I think that was kind of, unfortunately for him, bad casting. He, he didn't seem very enthusiastic about the subject matter or enough. So that, that lost the credibility to begin with. And I think there's two things going on here. You get, you get a, a promo that's supposedly official from Disney Parks about this place that we're all excited to see what's in there. And you get an actor who comes in with kind of unrehearsed corny lines that, that he had to say to the other person who's leading him around. Um, the hotel in the background was not lit appropriately, so it kind of looks plain um, as it should be. It's still sort of in construction. And then the, the experience that he has when he goes into what happens is he, he, he kind of takes a, a right turn and explores the club to this new um, uh, cantina sort of experience that they've been promoting and in it there's a new character they announced I believe at D23 her name is Gaia who is a blue-skinned um, alien yet another uh, oh I can't think what you call those with the tendrils hanging down Twilight the twi well, yes yeah, she's yet another Twilight seems to be the only makeup that they can do uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, she she comes out and does this song I don't know if you guys are familiar with the British singer Sarah Brightman but she comes comes out and does this somewhat um, modern operatic type number sort of like in the if you saw the fifth element it's very reminiscent of, of that of that kind of a thing and she got, does this song which i'm sure as an experience uh, what that you're sitting through is probably a lot of fun but when you present that as that's what you are going to see on this hotel and you're doing this to a bunch of uh young people who may not be into that kind of entertainment yet who may not associate that with star wars 
even though it's been in part of the parks. I mean, even if you go back to the uh, to the ludicrous Hollywood special uh, holiday special, um, the um, that what I, is what I think turned a lot of people off because instead of, of showing what this park can do, we've seen the video of Josh Tomorrow being very bad at at doing the lightsaber training. <laughs> yeah, and I saw that. Uh, we've seen. What, what they're showing so far is not instilling a lot of confidence to people, which is unfortunate because the park is still, I mean, sorry, the place is still somewhat in development. And sometimes I think they're doing this so that they can gauge what the audience reaction is going to be. Maybe hopefully they'll improve it by the time it gets there. Um, I would like to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're trying to share the excitement while it's still being made. And they probably just need to tweak it a little bit so that it, it, it feels a little bit more like the experience that people want it to be, especially when a lot of us like ourselves, we can't really afford to just say, okay, we're gonna spend $2,000 a night or whatever it is to stay at this place. And for this experience, that if all you're gonna get is something that you could have done at home and see entertainment that you're not necessarily interested in, you kind of, there's a disconnect there. And then quick, really quickly to add to that, what happened, so Disney pulled that video. So then in that same week, they released to the people who are already booked or to most of them an email in which it included a transmission that had a, uh, a blue skinned character who um, said she was a representative of Chandrillion um, Enterprises or Island or whatever, sort of like what we were talking about with the alien encounter uh, uh, mm -hmm. video where she comes on and she says she's from there and we hope you're gonna enjoy our stay and this is what you have to do, sort of a preparation video very similar to what Disney does in its normal promotion, like when we go on on a cruise or if you go to the park, they usually send you something so that you can get excited about what you're going to be doing. And I think even when I went to when I was going to Galaxy's Edge, I kind of remember there was a transmission from Vi that I got on the um, I don't remember if it was on the app or something that I received that was Vi Marathi saying, hey, I hope when you get there. This is where I'm going to be on Batu, and I hope um, look for me at Black Spire Outpost, and I hope that you are able to help me help us fight the rebellion. And then it faded off. It's very similar to that, except not as um, not as uh, as cryptic, I suppose. And so that apparently is what's gone on to people, and people don't like are responding um, badly to that. So it's it's a combination of, of that one-two punch. It's not what people are expecting, like Matt was saying. Everybody's got these expectations. That are set so high that it when it, it's not what they what they want they're going to react badly to it yeah i i remember you know when when the 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 sequel movies came out and oh. you know everybody was up in arms and you know whether you hated last jedi or whatever but what my perspective is is that people nowadays have this feeling that if it's not what they wanted then it's terrible and my perspective is when i saw last jedi is that if i were a writer or whatever is that the story i would have written about luke skywalker no probably not but you know what i'm a high school teacher i'm not a movie creator i'm not a writer i'm not a screenwriter i'm not a director so i don't get paid to do those things i am a viewer i'm a fan i go watch those things i don't get to dictate the story that's told someone else makes the story and I watch it so you I think people don't take things in it like that in that that way you know they think it's you know I could do a better job I could write a better story mm -hmm. and you know if you could you would be doing it <laughs> you know what I mean you, they would hire you if you were better at it 
So, but you know, that's not the perspective that people take anymore. And but this actually goes back in the day. I know you guys were way younger, but when Return of the Jedi first came out, I know it, nowadays the people think about those first three films as the quote unquote holy trilogy. But when I, I you know, I experienced them, I was I was old enough to have been there for them. And when Return of the Jedi came out. I remember going back to school and everybody was complaining, number one, about the Ewoks. Number two, about uh, how come we didn't get to see Boba Fett just more, more than, why do you get killed right at the beginning? Why uh, is, does Princess Leia have nothing to do for the homework? And why does Han Solo seem like he doesn't want to be there? There were so many criti uh, critical reviews of that movie from people who were my age at the time that that all got lost in in the in the shuffle i mean there's the star wars has always been something that's been criticized if you go back to look at the overviews for for the original movies uh online you'll see the critics were not saying oh these are the greatest movies ever made it was always something that they found in it this is for kids this is not right this is you know there was a, there's always something about it that doesn't appeal to somebody mm -hmm. but these experiences that that disney's is creating i think the problem is you've got two powerhouses you've got disney who you expect a lot of from and then you've got uh lucas who you who you also expect these you know you expect to be transported to something you've never been to or, or as, as kids today say mind blown and so you, you you put those two together and if it doesn't blow their mind then they're sitting there criticizing it that's very true and listen ultimately the i believe disney's going to get it right for the most part they pretty much get everything right that you know they they stumble every once in a while but Look, when you're paying five or six thousand dollars for a two-night experience, they better get it right. That's yeah. all I know. <laughs> they better get it right. I'm sure the experience itself will. Um, well, we don't, we don't know, obviously, but but based on 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 experiences with Disney in the past, um, they'll find a way to make it worth that money. Make it make it fun. All right, so let's go ahead and move on over to the next part of our show. This is actually one of our favorites. We hope you guys enjoy it too. This is something we like to call, What's Your Favorite? Each week, one of our hosts brings with them a question to ask the other two guys. Those two hosts don't know the questions ahead of recording and must answer the questions on the spot. But this week, we have our buddy Matt with us today, and we thought it'd be fun to let him ask us what's your favorite so we will all all four of us will take a chance take a turn at tackling matt's what's your favorite question this week so matt what you got for us buddy okay so you know my favorite attraction throughout all of disney is the jungle cruise so what is your favorite the jungle cruise or the jingle cruise okay no that's not really it so <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite mountain we have Splash Mountain, Thunder Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, Space Mountain, and I'll even include Expedition Everest in there. So wow. which of those four is your favorite? Fun. There's four right. choices there. All right. Well, I'll, I'll go first. First of all, you can't choose between Jungle Cruise and Jingle Cruise. They're both <laughs> awesome. So I'm glad that's not the real question. All right. Let's see. Favorite Mountain. So I'm going to go with a sentimental favorite. My father-in-law is actually a mechanic on Expedition Everest. He's works, he has worked at Animal Kingdom since uh, he was one of the park opening uh, crew. So uh, I've actually had an opportunity to go kind of behind the scenes and see, we, I, they took us in to see the control room 
And uh, so I got to go into a little office that has all the, the video cameras and I could, you know, you can see all the different uh, areas of the track that is monitored and everything. And uh, so I also get to hear lots of cool stories about um, when he goes to work, he has to walk the entire track and do all the checkpoints and stuff. So I've heard lots and lots of really cool stories about Expedition Everest, not to mention, uh, it's just a great ride. It's, um, it's got basically everything you could want. You go backwards, you go, you know, lots of loop-de-loops. So uh, I love all the mountains, but for sentimental reasons, I think I'm going to go with Expedition Everest. That's probably my favorite mountain. Ron? I, uh, you know, I too love all of them, um, but I'm become very partial for whatever reason to thunder mountain railroad so um last time we were there we rode it two or three times it's just a smooth fun not over i don't know i just it's it screams disney to me and you, it's got some great views as you're going around um on the ride and it's just the lines can be long sometimes, but the last time we were there, we were able to get on and off pretty quickly. And um, so, yeah, that, that's why I like them all too. But if I have to choose a favorite today, it's going to be Thunder Mountain Railroad. For me, choosing a favorite is very difficult as well, because all of the sound, uh, when you think of them all, you think of all the thrills and all of the technology that went behind them. Um, I, you would think I would probably say Space Mountain because of the thrill and the idea of being in space or getting the simulation of, 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 the, of what that might be like. But um, my wife really loves Splash Mountain. She never leaves, lets us leave the Magic Kingdom without going on it. I've been on it at night. I've been on it during the day. Uh, I went to the one in, in uh, California a couple of times. In fact, I remember specifically the day I turned 40. Uh, I was there for my birthday and I remember thinking, okay, here's where it all goes downhill when we went up onto the top hill. So I think um, I'm going to have to say it was Splash Mountain. All right. Well, Matt, this is your question. So let's see what, uh, which one do you, wait. So let's see. I said Everest. You said, Tony said Splash. Ron said uh, Thunder, Thunder Mountain. Mountain. So let's see if we do all four or if, <laughs> if Matt's going to double up on us on one of them. So what's your favorite, uh, Matt? We're going to double up. Okay. Well, my wife, uh, like Tony, loves Splash Mountain. Of course, it's me who usually gets wet on it, so yeah. I don't like it quite so much. <laughs> but the view right when you come out for the top, you can see uh, all the way over to Space Mountain in the, um, in the castle and everything. Castle, That's just amazing. yeah. yeah. Uh, Especially at night. Have you ever seen it at night? Yeah. Um, one time, that was the last uh, ride we went on before going home at night, and so we just got in line for it, so that was pretty neat. Of course, I also got soaked that night, too, so it was cold. <laughs> it was in December. Um, uh -huh. What Ron said about the views on Thunder Mountain, that's the same. When you're going up the left hill, you can look off to the right and see the castle and uh, yeah. Space Mountain. But I'm going to go with Everest for the views you get from that lift hill. That if you're, As you're going up, if you look off to the left, you can see both Hollywood Studios and Epcot. And if you actually turn around and look behind you, you can see the Magic Kingdom. Wow. If you sit in the front of Everest, whenever you come up and you stop, whenever, you know, before you go backwards where the track is all torn up, you can see out onto um, Hollywood Studios again and Epcot. So the, the view there and just the ride itself is fun. 
like uh, Dewey said, of going backwards and seeing the, the Yeti and everything. It's a real fun ride. So I'm going to go with that. Although, if we're allowed to use Disneyland, Hyperspace Mountain. It's Space oh, Mountain yes. overlaid with Star Wars. And you get to hear the calm chatter and see, you know, Star Destroyers and X-Wings and cool. fighters flying. You know, they projected onto the ceiling. So if we can include Disneyland, then we will have one of each. And I'd go with uh, the Hyperspace Mountain. I have not been to Disneyland, but uh, I have been to Disneyland Paris. And their version of Space Mountain is pretty awesome, too. It's all Jules Verne. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, what is it? It's called Discovery Land there. So it looks all steampunk and everything. Uh, theirs is pretty awesome, too. But, you know, I mean, you listen, the mountains are all awesome. There's really no wrong answer to any of those. They're, you know, they're all great. But and I guess that's, again, why Disney is so awesome, because, you know, there's no wrong answer. You know, they're all all of them are so great. So although none of us said Space Mountain, you know, at least the Walt Disney World version. But I, I tell you, you guys are completely right. I've been on Thunder Mountain and on Splash Mountain at nighttime when the fire, excuse me, the fireworks are going and stuff. That's super magical, man. That, yeah. Like that just ends, like you'd be like, all right, that's it. The trip's over. I'm done. Let's go home. Because <laughs> that is like the, the topping on the, on the cake or whatever. So, well, my favorite part about Splash Mountain is the, uh, the, the whole animatronic scene at the end yes which i hope they don't lose the when they do something when they do the new thing i hope they can create something that that's as exciting as that i agree i was shocked that none of us said space mountain as well yeah absolutely but sorry space mountain don't be upset with us you're still great but you know we all went a different direction all right that's fun thanks for that matt All right, so I think that's just about it for this week's episode. Matt, any parting thoughts, anything? Uh, you know, we really wanted to bring you on because you're, uh, you're a great contributor to our, one of our, or to our Facebook group and everything, and we, we enjoy your, your comments and everything, but also because of your connection with the 501st and your obvious love of, of Star Wars and of Disney and everything, you're, you're almost like one of the gang or anyway, so... <laughs> Uh, we want to say thank you for being here and any parting thoughts or anything like that before we close the show oh this was a blast i had a lot of fun so uh it's nice to whenever i have a comment that i can uh say it right away and get a reaction as opposed to uh having to post it online and stuff <laughs> yeah, like we, that we enjoy your we enjoy your feedback so we appreciate your being a fan of the show and we appreciate you being here today so thanks a lot it was fun thank bro. you all right, so that just about does it for this episode of the WDW Reflections Podcast. Please find and follow us on all of our social media. We can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and on YouTube, where we share lots of uh, clips and videos that we create surrounding the show at WDW Reflections Podcast, and then on Twitter at WDW Reflections. This podcast can currently be found and played on many podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Overcast. If you love the show, please leave us some feedback on Apple Podcasts. Those positive feedbacks help the show reach a larger audience and helps us grow. And don't forget, you can always message us from any of those social media groups or from those accounts at WDWReflectionsPodcast, or you can email us at WDWReflectionsPodcast at gmail.com. 
you can send us questions, comments, requests for trip tips, ideas for future podcast topics, or anything else that you can think of. We'd love to hear from you. And please keep coming back because we truly appreciate you. Thank you for reflecting on Walt Disney World memories with us on the WDW Reflections Podcast. See you real soon. <laughs>